It's the Kim Munson Show, analyzing the most important stories. An early childhood taxing district, what on earth is that? The latest in politics and world affairs. I don't think that we should be passing legislation that is so complicated that people kind of throw up their hands and say, oh, I can't understand it. Today's current opinions and ideas. It is not fair that just because you're a big business that you get a break on this and the little guy doesn't. Is it freedom or is it force? Let's have a conversation. Indeed, let's have a conversation and welcome to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You'll get first look at all of our upcoming guests, as well as our most recent podcast, our most recent op-eds. Be sure and check out the podcast that I did with Professor John Eastman, Trump's attorney. He actually goes through uh, where they were looking at election irregularities, what they were trying to do about that. Uh, The meeting between President Trump, uh, Vice President Pence, uh, uh, Professor Eastman, Pence's uh, general counsel, as well as Pence's, uh, let's see, chief of staff. And uh, that meeting occurred on January 4th and what happened on January 6th. And then ultimately, he was canceled basically by the University of Colorado CU. So this is a great opportunity to set the record straight. Be sure and check that out. And uh, thank you to each of you for joining us today. Uh, You're each treasured. You're valued. You have a purpose. Live with intention and strive for excellence and take care of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body. And thank you to this great team that I get to work with, and that is producer Steve and Zach and Patty and Keith and Charlie and all these people at Crawford Broadcasting. Happy Friday to you, Steve. Yes, happy Friday. And on top of that, it's also payday. Oh, well, yeah. So it's a double great day for you then. And uh, this show is brought to you. We are an independent voice. And uh, thank you for all of you that are contributing to keep this independent voice out there. And also, the other way this happens is I have these great sponsors. And one of those is Helen Jean Mitchell. She is sponsoring the show today, and she is in studio. Helen, happy Friday. Happy Friday to you, Kim. So we're going to be focusing on something in the second segment, Helen, that is really near and dear to your heart and may actually save some people's lives because it saved your life. And uh, we'll talk about that in the second segment. Okay. We'll talk about John Locke. And John Locke. That's, let's jump in there. You have chosen the quote for today. And that is by John Locke. And uh, he is he was born in 1632. Did you go to school with him, Steve? Was he in your class? You want to start this again? <laughs> you know you never win. <laughs> and uh, he was born in 1632. He died in 1704. He was an English philosopher whose works lie on uh, at the foundation of modern philosophical empiricism and political liberalism. And when we talk about liberalism, political liberalism, it's not the liberalism of today. So many words have been hijacked. But this was the classical liberalism that basically was was our founding, this idea that all men are created equal with these rights from God of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And he was an inspiration for both the European Enlightenment and the Constitution of the United States of America. And Helen, you chose this because this is very appropriate for what we're going to be talking about in the second segment. And you said, uh, John Locke said, individuals have both a right and a duty to preserve their own lives. And that's been just super inspirational to you. Yes, who would have thought that a man born in uh, 1634 
jumped ahead and impacted my life in the year 2007. It's, it was those timeless principles that they were putting in place. And absolutely, what they said then is so ap- uh, appropriate now as well. And so we'll talk about that in segments, in the segment, uh, second segment. And then segments three and four, Josh Phillip, you know him. He is uh, with the Epic Times. And uh, we're going to talk about censorship. Who would have ever dreamed that in, in America... And in 2021, that we would actually be shutting down voices. Just an example was what had happened with, uh, with, with uh, Professor Eastman up at CU. Instead of engaging in a battle of ideas, what happens if your ideas aren't that good? Then you have to try to shut other people down, Producer Steve. Can you take a, a 30 seconds to when you said you know, CU canceled him, go through a couple of things that they did to him. Well, okay, so he was at the January 6th rally uh, for Trump. And, and the, the narrative out there that, that the radical, regressive activists left and the mainstream media industrial complex had been putting out there that it was President Trump that had instigated this, quote-unquote, this breach on the Capitol – when in essence that breach on the Capitol actually started while they were still speaking. And so one would have to ask, the timing on that was very interesting, very suspect. But anyway, shortly thereafter, as this whole narrative was getting out there, there were um, CU officials that actually took that narrative and ran with it. And they canceled all of his classes. And some of, um, I think there was a lecture series that he was going to have on campus and they canceled that he ultimately has done that off campus Uh, he now they won't will not even let him uh, go on campus if you can believe that steve and um they they are still paying him i think initially they fired him but they walked that back but basically uh, they he can't even go on campus so you talk about being canceled and then also there was uh, press releases and comments made that they hadn't actually done any due process on it either, Steve. Well, it's, it's, you know, here we go, 1984 all over again. But to actually make it look like this guy doesn't even exist, like he, he's just gone. You know, I guess that's what the, what the goal is at CU. Well, and that is why we did the podcast last week. And a number of you have reached out to me and said how much you appreciate that because it really set the record straight on a number of different issues out there. So let's jump over here to our uh, bill of the day, or actually there's three bills, and they are all connected. They're House Bill 21, and as we mentioned, uh, if it comes out of the House, it's an HB. If it comes out of the Senate, it's an SB here in Colorado. So this is House Bill 21, 1053, regarding election recount request, House Bill 211086, which is voter proof of citizenship requirement, and then HB 21-1088, Annual Audit Statewide Voter Registration System. And uh, former Senator Lundberg, through his report, said that there are three bills in the Colorado House of Representatives scheduled for their first and possibly last committee hearing on Monday, March 8, in the House State Affairs Committee. The hearing is scheduled to start at 1.30. And Senator Lundberg says, if you think your vote should be accurately counted... 
and not canceled out by any illegal or otherwise erroneous ballots, this is your chance to make your voice heard in the Colorado legislature. So House Bill 1053, introduced by Representative Williams, will allow any citizen to request a hand recount of the actual ballots. The citizen requesting the hand recount must pay all associated costs, but this bill finally puts into law a procedure for hand counting an election recount. House Bill 1086, introduced by Representative Luck, provides that only an elector who has provided proof of citizenship can vote in an election. And House Bill 1088, introduced by Representative Pico, will require the state auditor to audit 20% of all voter registrations every year, which would mean essentially all voter registrations would be audited once every five years. The audit would require that all voter registrations be checked against other public records to verify the accuracy of each registration. Uh, Steve, this seems like uh, very good ideas to me. Yeah, finally. I, mean, I was just about to comment. You, you and Patty call this the bill of the day, and this is not a reason not to do this, but i got to tell you, the bill of the day has been pretty hard on my blood pressure. So, yes, something good. <laughs> yes, and you would think that every person in Colorado would want to make sure that this happens. But what we've seen with the radical, regressive activist left is they are doing all kinds of different things to dilute your vote. So whether or not you're a blue dog Democrat or uh, a libertarian, uh, unaffiliated, a Republican, a conservative, you need to make your voice heard. And that's going to be on this coming Monday, Steve. Okay, well, certainly in light of some of the other things going on at the national level, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's important that people be informed and think about what it is that's going down right in front of their very eyes. And be sure, and if you can't make, make it down to the Capitol on Monday, either call or write these representatives down there as well. Um, this show is brought to you, I want to change, uh, change things just a little bit here, and, and again, acknowledge these great partners. I, here in the studio with me is Helen Jean Mitchell. She's sponsoring this show, and I have so many different great partners that I get to work with. And on the line with me is another of my great partners for both the Kim Munson Show and America's Veteran Stories with Kim Munson, and that is Hal Van Herkey. He is the owner of Castlegate Knife and Tool, located right here in Sedalia. It is a family-owned business. Small business is uh, something that's near and dear to Hal's heart. Hal, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kim. It's uh, good to be on. There is always something creative happening at Castlegate Knife and Tool. And let's talk just a little bit about this this new product that you have, and it's your, your rifle program. Tell us just a little bit about that. Yeah, it's our, the latest uh, tool to our uh, our line of tools is uh, custom-made AR-15s that are built right here in, uh, in Elizabeth, Colorado. And when I say built, they're actually made from cast, forged blanks, and build matched receiver sets. So we're actually manufacturing these rifles here in Elizabeth. And uh, by doing it the way we're doing it, we're able to get um, extreme accuracy for a reasonable price. And uh, the program is our custom rifle program, and it's designed to give uh, your rifle your way. So you can come in and you can order it with all types of different options, whatever you want, and we'll deliver it to you completely ready to go, optics, accessories, etc. What's the turnaround time on this, uh, Hal? Right now, the turnaround time is between a week and two weeks. Um, we also no have way. A, a hand, yeah. We're, um, <laughs> That's amazing. 
yeah, we're, that's one of the reasons why we're doing this is that um, we have uh, rifles in stock and we have rifles uh, components ready to go at all times so that we can bring um, get people what they need in a hurry. Okay, Stan, with all the craziness that's going on out there regarding the assault on our Second Amendment, uh, how can people reach out to you and, and get more information on this? Do they need to come down to the, st- uh, the store there in Sedalia, or what would you recommend? Yeah, for now, the best way, and we're doing this kind of on purpose so that we don't overwhelm ourselves, the best way is to come into the store or to call and okay. set up an appointment, and we actually walk you through the whole process and to help and help you make decisions on what accessories you want, what caliber, uh, what uh, what rifle style, et cetera. Okay, okay. And the best way people can uh, get information is to go to your website. That's castlegate.com, castlegate.com. All the information is there, the phone, uh, the address. But basically, you just go to Sedalia, and you turn right on which street is that? If you're, if you're coming uh, from Little Man, Manhart. Yep, you get, you get off on Manhart, which is... Um, right where the brand-new wide-open spaces um, bar and restaurant is, which is a huge restaurant on the corner there. Great place. You turn right on Manhart, and then we're um, right in the center of town on the corner of Manhart and Plum. Okay. And that's Castlegate.com, Castlegate.com. Hal Van Herkey, I so appreciate your partnership and your sponsorship of the show. Thank you. Thank you, Kim. And we'll talk to you next week. We'll be right back. Helen Jean Mitchell is in studio, and we will hear her story. Stay tuned. Would you have ever dreamed that freedom of speech, freedom of thought, freedom of assembly, and freedom of religion would be under assault and attack in America? Unbelievably, it is happening right before our eyes. That is why it is important to keep free-thinking, independent voices on the airwaves, the Internet, and social media. Kim Munson is one of those important voices. Help her keep independence alive. Go to KimMunson.com to contribute, to join Kim in the battle of ideas raging in America today. That's KimMunson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's KimMunson.com. And sign up for our weekly newsletter there. You can email me at Kim at KimMunson.com as well. And I have great sponsors that I get to work with. Uh, One of them is, is in studio, Helen Jean Mitchell. But another one of them is Hooters Restaurants. And they have five locations, Lone Tree, Westminster, Aurora, Colorado Springs, and Loveland. And uh, they, I mean, we just need to get together. We have been, so many people have been apart for so long. And uh, getting together over great food is a great way to to do that. And uh, they have all kinds of different wings. Their smoked wings are half the calories. I have been getting the lemon rub uh, smoked wings for when the girls get together. Helen, you come over to that, and those are pretty delicious, aren't they? Yep, they're lined up right there on the table. <laughs> Not for long, though. Not long at all. <laughs> and so for more information, they have all kinds of specials. Go to my website, click on my Sponsors tab, and uh, that will drop down, and then just click on Hooters, and they'll have all their specials there. Uh, and again, that go, is my website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N dot com. And one other thing, um, Hooters is a sponsor of both of my shows. My other show is America's Veteran Stories, which is on Sunday afternoons here on KLZ from 3 to 4 p.m. And this week, we have another great t- a treat for you, Peter Neeb. Uh, he actually lives in the Netherlands now. And he has uh, he had befriended a number of the Timberwolves, which were uh, many of the soldiers from the 104th Infantry Division. And they call them the Timberwolves because they actually uh, fought at night. Uh, and so that's part of the story. But the other is, is that he, when he was a toddler, 
and his sister was three, Hulda, and their mother were captured by the Japanese in World War II, and he spent um, the first three of his four years in a Japanese concentration camp. So it is a fascinating story, and I would recommend that you listen to that on Sunday afternoon. Let's jump over here. Ellen Jean Mitchell, first of all, I so thank you for your partnership for this show because keeping these independent voices out there is very important, and really you are a valued partner of the show. Well, thank you, Kim. I appreciate that. And so on the second segment, we thought, I'm gonna, let's focus on something that is really near and dear to your heart, and it's something that I'd never heard of. It's a paraganglioma, and these are rare tumors that can cause sudden spikes in blood pressure, and that's something that you had. Uh, and tell us the story, because ultimately, you kind of saved your own life. Well, yes, I did. So I'm going to reach back into history and tell you about my favorite patriot, uh, John Locke. And he, um, he had a lot of input into the Declaration of Independence, but the most important of John Locke's contribution pr- uh, promoted and defended my individual right to save my own life. But, you know, I didn't realize that till 15 years later. My personal story began in June of 2007. Um, you know, I managed to live for 50 years, and I wanted to keep going, but you know what? That almost didn't happen to me. I was going to be that one in a million statistic, suddenly dead at the age of 52 of a stroke. Scary. Very scary. Um, I was having some odd symptoms. You know, unbeknownst to me, I inherited a rare fatal heart condition from my father. Now, he had been a superior athlete. I mean, he played for the University of Oklahoma National Championship team back in the day. Who would have thought, right? So after I made an appointment with my doctor, like anybody else, I was still concerned. So then I went over and I attended one of those local health fairs. And, you know, I'm just as cheap as the next guy. (laughs) I mean, frugal. So, uh, you know, but since my mom had passed away just a few months earlier, I thought, you know what, I'm going to get that ultrasound over there at that kiosk. Uh, to get. And, and what was the ultrasound for? Exactly? It was to take a look at my carotid arteries. Okay, so they actually had somebody there that was doing that. Yeah, they had a special kiosk there. And what the carotid arteries do is they uh, feed the blood between the, the brain and the heart. Okay, so and where are they located? They're in your neck. Okay. Either side of your throat. So uh, I, I got one of those ultrasounds, and I went back to my doctor, and this time he arranged to have another ultrasound done, you know, just in case. Now, had you gotten a report there that something was odd at that time? Yeah, at the, at the health fair, they mail you out a report that says, hey, look over here. You know, so I thought, well, okay, well, I'm going to take this back to him, see what he says. So he said, you know, we'll, we'll be in touch over the weekend. Well, 36 hours later... Thursday night, 7 p.m. I mean, who gets a call from your doctor, right, unless it's, you know, scary. I got a call from my doctor, and he said, Helen, you have bilateral carotid body tumors. Really? Yeah. I didn't really know what those were at the time. I sure found out soon. And he said, keep the next two weeks or so available. I'm going to be making your appointments for you. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's kind of like, oh, okay, I'll do that. Now, here are some statistics about carotid body tumors so hang on in 2011 there was an incidence of one case per every million people with just 684 cases of carotid body tumors in the united states okay so, so they're they're pretty rare pretty rare okay pretty rare and it turns out they're genetic okay huh. but nobody in my family knew they had them okay nobody had known 
And uh, up to half of the carotid body tumors are familiar or genetic, and half of those come in pairs. Interesting. Right? So they're bilateral. So you get two for one. Okay. Okay. I had those tumors. They're called familial bilateral carotid body tumors. Now, the sole purpose of these is just to steal blood and kill you. You're going to have a stroke. It's gone. But do you don't really know. You were having some symptoms some that you symptoms. didn't really... Very obtuse. Okay, okay. Just very slight. But uh, I went through my series of appointments that the doctor set up for me. And uh, my last appointment was, I'll just call him Dr. L, for an angiogram. That's an x-ray image, you know, of mm-hmm. your blood vessels. And uh, he said to me, Helen, as doctors, we need to listen to our patients and find out what is wrong because you just saved your own life. Wow. Yeah, struck me, right? So I was in surgery the next morning, and after a few days of in cardiac intensive care and a medically induced coma, I went home on Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas, Helen. Oh. Yeah, I was really, that struck me too. So fast forward 12 years to 2019, and I'm studying about the Founding Fathers, the Constitution, and, you know, the Declaration mm-hmm. of Independence. And I was reading about John Locke, who wrote that all individuals are equal in the same sense that they are born with certain inalienable natural rights that can never be taken or given away. And among these fu- fundamental natural rights, Locke said, are life, liberty, and property. And at that time, property included yourself mm-hmm. your, and your well-being. Not, not just stuff, but... Right. Your, your own self, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you have the right to defend that. So John Locke believed that the most basic human law of nature is the preservation of mankind and stated individuals have both a right and a duty to preserve their own lives. I have that in my phone. Wow. I keep that in my phone, and I look at it. So, you know, 12 years later, after my surgery in 2007, I learned that I am grateful for what John Locke said, because I think that was his message to me. Wow. You know, these tumors are very rare. They'll kill you. You know, people aren't really sure what to look for. But you get that ultrasound done, and you can find them. Now, I was, I was in the mall, Park Meadows Mall, and these two people came running toward me. Kind of scary, right? Yeah. Turns out it was my former supervisor. Okay. And he said, you saved my wife's life. Really? Yeah, and then he told me how. And, so, and, and what was that exactly? She had a heart condition. It wasn't this particular one, but he said, you know, I told her, I talked to Helen, you know, I think you're having these tinges. I think we should go. And she did end up having surgery for something different. Okay. But it was because of that story is what he said. You know, I find that so fascinating that how, as, as we mentioned, that John Locke was born in the 1630s, that it still is so relevant to today. That is what's so amazing about our founding fathers. And, and the founding fathers really went went back to many of Locke's thoughts. In fact, Certainly, he inspired Jefferson with the Declaration of Independence. Yes, he certainly did. And that's why history is important. You know, people ought to know and and spread this word, you know. Well, most definitely. And, And so once again, what you're recommending, though, is if people are feeling some kind of symptoms that 
check it out. You have a responsibility to check it out. And if it hadn't been for that health fair, and as we were preparing for this, you had also mentioned at that health fair that you had gotten that ultrasound, and then it was um, like the, the, the guy, his son was helping him read these, and it was this young guy that actually caught that. Yeah, he was, he was helping his dad at home reading these, and he went to his father and he said, Dad, this is a little different. And his father said, Son, I've run into one of those in my life because they're rare, and you found one on your first time. Isn't and I went back to that man and told him my story. And said thank you. And said thank you. And he said, no, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, Helen, I think it's a fascinating story. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for being a sponsor of the show. We're going to jump over here to another great sponsor, and that is Jason McBride. He's a senior VP with Presidential Wealth Management. Uh, the markets got kicked around a little bit yesterday, Jason, and... What is it? Feds, are they concerned about inflation, keeping interest rates low? What happened exactly? Well, that seemed to be what uh, sparked it off. At least that's what they've decided to blame, uh, because they always have to blame something. But yeah, uh, Jerome Powell had mentioned that he had, was concerned about inflation uh, as the economy uh, opened back up. Uh, and that sent the markets into a tizzy, uh, the NASDAQ taking the biggest brunt of it. Uh, NASDAQ was down 275, Kim. That was about 2.1%. Uh, the chart on NASDAQ, I mean, just completely uh, broke yesterday. It looked uh, like it might be able to hold support, but it still looked ugly. Uh, after yesterday's breakdown with a uh, volume just absolutely spiked yesterday as well, Did it? Okay. Uh, the chart on NASDAQ looks just completely ugly at this point. Uh, the Dow was down about 345, which is a smaller percentage. And, uh, you know, again, a big volume spike there. So we're really seeing the air come out of the balloon on, on a lot of these high flyers, Kim, that have, you know, got to dizzying heights. Uh, you know, massive valuations or, you know, kind of, this kind of feels a little bit like what we saw back in the tech bubble of 2000 with companies, uh, stocks rising way up with uh, nobusinessplan.com. I guess not quite that bad, but some similarities there. So the futures are up a little bit this morning. We'll see if the market can manage to recover any of this or, uh, you know, if it starts off up and then the sellers come in again. Well, and Jason, that is why we've talked about, actually, crystal ball thing, uh, maybe moving into some cash might have been a, might be a good idea. It just People need to sit down with you and assess their risk tolerance, their needs. And you've, been, you've seen a lot of this. You've been around for a long time, and, and you've seen the ups and downs. So you've got the experience that people really need when, when you're in the, these kinds of markets. Well, uh my hair is mostly gray, Kim. I had somebody come in the other day, a listener from your show, and said, I just want to make sure I'm dealing with somebody that has some gray hair. And I said, I'm your man. That's for sure. How can people reach you, Jason? Uh, give us a call, 303-694-1600. That's 303-694-1600. Jason, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. Thank you, Kim. And we're going to go to break. Helen Jean Mitchell is in studio with me. She's sponsoring this show. And Josh Phillip is on the line. You know him. He is 
He's a journalist, journalist, and he is uh, with the Epic Times. We want to talk about censorship, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. Controlling your own destiny. There are a lot of unknowns on the horizon with the new administration. Predovich and Company is here to help trusted professionals for all your bookkeeping, tax planning, and accounting needs. Kim Munson highly recommends Predovich and Company. They've been helping her for years. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich and Company works with clients from anywhere in the United States. Give them a call at 303-791-3000 to put Predovich and Company to work for you. Call 303-791-3000 today. Home ownership and private property rights help you build wealth for you and your family. REMAX Alliance award-winning realtor Karen Levine understands this. Supply is super tight right now. This is why you need a seasoned professional with excellent negotiating skills on your side of the table, whether buying or selling an existing home or buying a new build. As a member of the National Association of Realtors Board of Directors, Karen Levine volunteers hours of her time to help you build your American dream. Call her today at 303-877-7516. Again, that's 303-877-7516. You'd like to get in touch with one of Kim Munson's sponsors, but you can't recall their phone number. Find a full list of advertising partners on Kim's website, kimmunson.com. That's Kim, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Hey, welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. <clears throat> Sign up for our weekly newsletter as well. Uh, and uh, you'll get first look at all of our upcoming guests, our most recent podcasts. And this show is brought to you by Helen Jean Mitchell. So appreciate her. She's in studio with me. But on the line with me is Josh Phillip. He's an award-winning investigative reporter with the Epic Times and host of Crossroads. He is a recognized expert on unrestricted warfare, asymmetrical hybrid warfare, uh, subversion, and historical perspectives on today's issues. Today we're going to be talking about censorship. Uh, Josh Phillip, welcome to the show. Hey, Kim, great being on. Good to hear from you. Good to talk with you as well. Um, Josh Phillip, I never in a million years would have dreamed what is happening in America. You recently just did a show on uh, your podcast, uh, Crossroads, about censorship. What's your thoughts about what is happening? This Biden administration, we're seeing it at the national level. We're seeing it out here in Colorado because we have radical, regressive activists uh, in both our House and, and our Senate out here, as well as the governorship. What, what's your thoughts on what's happening in America right now with censorship? It's wild. I mean, the, the real irony of it is that when you have, say, big government working together with big corporations, this whole merging of the corporate system with the government system, that, that is actual fascism. <laughs> and this is the, the terrible irony of it is that these groups are using this narrative, you know, saying white nationalism and fascism and so on to you know, censor websites that they say are spreading misinformation, which is really just a word of saying people who say something other than the narrative they're pushing is that they're actually engaging in the very thing they claim to oppose. And, you know, yeah, as you mentioned, you had two House members trying to push the different uh, publishing networks, whether it be cable or others, to uh, deplatform Fox News, Newsmax, and OANN. And I mean, like, you know, these guys are technically competitors of the Epic Times. But I'd hate to see that happen. You know, th- th- this, is, uh, this is government basically understanding they don't have the legal rights under the Constitution to directly censor 
And so they're pressing big tech to do it for them. This, again, partnership between big government and big corporations. Well, I've always they're talking about antitrust action by the government. And I never like to have government be the answer. But I was talking with uh, a friend of mine, uh, and she said, and, and normally we're like free and fair markets, but she said with what is going on right now, that she would entertain the idea of pushing for antitrust action on this. What's your thoughts, Josh? You know, I've heard that. And I'll be honest, what concerns me is that it, it, it seems like that is kind of the push going on, not just by the Democrats in the U.S., but actually by a lot of leftist groups in other countries in the world as well. Um, my question would be, one, would that actually stop the issue of censorship when they have a it, – it's not a monopoly on the corporate level. It's, it's a monopoly of the systems themselves. And this seems like a way of maintaining that type of monopoly, letting them, for example, the platform pro, you know, uh, other competitors like Parler, for example, letting them censor people as they see fit, right, so on, without actually fixing the core problem, uh, which is that, you know, again, they have a monopoly not just on the corporate level, but on the systems level. And this seems like a way of bypassing that entire discussion and saying, oh, we did something about it, without actually solving the core problem. Well, how would we do that then, Josh? Well, you know, this is the point I've been making. And, and you know, I, I've taught, I have friends, of course, who, you know, make the point, and it's a fair point, that you can't call big business censorship a violation of the First Amendment in their interpretation. Now, if you really want to argue on constitutional grounds whether the First Amendment protects free speech in general or just from government regulating speech, I'd say it's debatable. Um, but, you know, really, of course, if you're a newspaper and they want, you know, someone tries to force you to publish an op-ed and you don't want to publish it, that, that's a type of censorship. Fair enough, right? And I think you should, we should be agree that, uh, you know, big government and big business can't compel you as an individual to say something you don't want to say, even though I'd say they're going against that as well with some of this, uh, you know, tr- you know, talk around, uh, you know, censorship on whether it's race or, you know, far left policies on progressive, progressive issues, leave it at that. Uh, but, but I think the big issue is this, <clears throat> the vehicle they're using to censor, right, the system they're using that allows them, that allows these companies to basically avoid any kind of lawsuits, any kind of public action to stop them from doing what they're doing. The, the vehicle that they're using to carry out censorship like this is a government program, uh, namely Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, which gives these big corporations legal immunity, essentially, to do whatever they want. Uh, on the grounds, again, that their platforms, meaning that people say whatever they want on there, they don't have the ability to censor it because there's too many voices, versus publishers who pick and choose what, they, what they're publishing. And so the very basis... Uh, of this whole censorship regime they're pushing out, the very basis of the of the way they're behaving as businesses, and the very problem behind all this, which is there's no system of recourse uh, because they have legal immunity, is from government policy. Okay. And so, could we consider that government policy itself something that violates the First Amendment, since the government policy is the vehicle for it? Okay. Now, speaking of government policy. Out here, you're not going to believe this, Josh, out here in Colorado, uh, Senator Kerry Donovan, who is uh, <clears throat> apparently going to be challenging, excuse me just a second, who is going to be challenging uh, Representative Lauren Boebert, 
uh, for uh, the congressional seat here in 2022. And Carrie Donovan has introduced Senate Bill 21. It's 132 out here, and it's called Digital Communications Regulation. And basically what they are, are going to require is that anybody that has a digital platform, that they have to register with the Department of Regulatory Affairs out here and pay a fee. Uh, and if, uh, if you don't do that, you could be fined $5,000 a day. And uh, there's going to be a bureaucratic commission that will hold hearings on claims filed with the division alleging that a digital communications platform has allowed a person to engage in one or more unfair or discriminatory digital communication practices. And these could include hate speech, undermining election integrity, disseminating intentional disinformation, conspiracy theories or fake news, or authorizing courage or carry out violations of users' privacy. Josh Phillip, this is Colorado. I think that this is the Petri dish where they are trying all these very draconian, tyrannical things. What's your thoughts about this? That's absolutely terrifying. Something like that would even be able to be pushed on American soil, again, in my opinion. I would say this is is the kind of stuff you find in communist China, where discussion on anything that is not state-approved, essentially, is deemed illegal, where you know, criticizing the government, questioning the integrity of government action is itself considered illegal. If we, if we as a country can't have an open and fair election system, and if you question whether it's open and fair, you know, because getting in criticism is usually what leads to reforms, if you can't even question it, then how are we going to have, you know, public scrutiny maintaining the integrity of our systems? You know, that, that was the basis of the fourth estate is that media should hold government accountable. And if media is no longer able to criticize government or call into question the integrity of government, whether it's the election systems or you know, the way other things are doing, how can we have a free country? Um, and then again, who, who determines what is the definition of hate speech? I would say that, for example, discriminating against white people is also hate speech. Is that going to be hate speech? Or is it just the discrimination that they choose to label as discrimination? You know, this is where you get into the war of narratives and the alteration of language itself. They can play with language, play with definitions, establish establish talking points, and then say you can't criticize these talking points. And again, this is the kind of stuff you find in communist countries. And it's astounding to me. And Josh, as I mentioned, it seems like that they try everything. I mean, Colorado has become a Petri dish out here for these kinds of, of, uh, of different draconian, tyrannical issues that are being pushed forward. And uh, I'm not quite sure what we can do about this out here right now, Josh, because we have a very radical, regressive um, state house, Senate, as well as governor. What would you recommend for us out here in Colorado? You know what? I actually got back from CPAC just recently. Something really surprised me. Almost every single person I talked to seems to be getting engaged or building something now that is a grassroots movement. There are grassroots movements springing up right now across the entire conservative, libertarian, uh, even Republican spectrum. And, you know, this is this is how things get done. Keep in mind, you know, the left did this for decades. You know, I mean, going back to the 1960s, maybe even earlier. And the right has been almost totally disengaged on this, which is community organizing. This doesn't mean violence. This doesn't mean, you know, doing anything wrong. It means getting people together and, you know, picketing, protesting, 
uh, calling local representatives, calling up the media and telling them what's going on. I, I can tell you as a journalist, I'm, I'm surprised. This guy, I, I haven't even heard about this. It's, it's shocking. So what's happening in uh, you know, that, your local area there? Um, letting letting all the big media know, starting up discussion, holding you know holding politicians accountable while we still can, you know by calling out policies like this and you know having us having journalists like myself call these people and ask them why they're doing it, uh, because programs like this should really should not even exist on American soil. Programs like this should be deemed illegal and unethical across the board when government tries to not only say let's say manage what you can or can't say, but try to punish platforms for allowing people to even say it in the first place. And well, it's, uh, it's crazy what's happening. Well, and uh, an idea, I mean, we need to be able to kick the tires on an issue or an idea. And if, in fact, instead of engaging in this, this battle of ideas, and Josh, we talk about this all the time on the show, engage in this battle of ideas. And if your idea is so bad that you can't have it stand up to any scrutiny, then that should be a cause for concern. And I would love it, Josh Phillip. I'm going to send you the information on this. If you wrote something about this in the Epic Times, I would love that because I think it's important that people across the country understand what's going on because they're trying it in Colorado and then they're trying to export it to other states, Josh. Yeah, and that's how they work. You know, they, they try it in one place, they get it passed to one place, they start replicating it. Um, you know, and again, I specialize, again, in one of my main beats is exposing Chinese Communist Party subversion. They do the same thing. Uh, the, the first place they test a lot of their programs for the U.S. is Australia. If it succeeds in Australia, they, they put it in place in Canada. Put it in place in Canada, succeeds, they do it in the U.S. And, you know, this, this is just the way these groups work. They want to have testing grounds where they try things out. If it works, if they can replicate some parts of it, they look at what's criticized, what is able to go through, so on. And they'll do it in areas, again, where, as you mentioned, they have pretty much total political control and where they can do it without a whole lot of public, uh, public attention. I mean, you know, say media attention, folks like uh, you and myself. Well, and I find it absolutely terrifying because it goes after these uh, these voices like ours that are we're independent voices and we are looking for truth and clarity on these issues. And the censorship in America, I think Josh started a long time ago and when we come back we'll talk about that and that is where it was said in polite company you don't talk about politics or religion i'm thinking what else is there to talk about josh phillip we're going to go to break when we come back we'll continue the conversation in studio with me is my friend she's a patriot sponsor of the show and that's helen jean mitchell and we'll be right back with the federal government printing money it looks like inflation is on the horizon that is why you should lock in a low rate now on your mortgage lauren levy with polygon financial group is here to help Lauren works with a variety of lenders to assist you in finding the mortgage that is just right for you. Locking in a low rate now will save you thousands of dollars over the life of your loan. Don't procrastinate. Don't wait any longer. Call Lauren today at 303-880-8881. That's 303-880-8881. All of Kim's sponsors are an inclusive partnership with Kim and are not affiliated with or in partnership with KLZ or Crawford Broadcasting. If you would like to support the work of the Kim Munson Show and grow your business, contact Kim at her website, KimMunson.com. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. 
Americans Veteran Stories with Kim Munson, Sunday afternoons at 3, here on KLZ 560 AM and KLZ 100.7. And welcome back to the Kim Munson Show. I am Kim Munson. Be sure and check out our website. That's Kim Munson, M-O-N-S-O-N.com. Sign up for our weekly newsletter there. And you can email me at Kim at Kim as well. In studio with me is my friend, Patriot, show sponsor, Helen Jean Mitchell, it is great to have you in studio today. Thank you so much, Kim. I really enjoy being here and opening up the lines of communication for everybody. Well, and uh, because of your sponsorship and all those that contribute to the show, it keeps our independent voice out there. And I know it's important to you, Helen, that we search for truth and clarity on these important issues. And so thank you. You're welcome. Okay. On the line with me is Josh Phillip. Uh, You know him. He is an award-winning uh, reporter with the Epic Times, where we've been talking about censorship, and just to button up my question from when we uh, when we got a break, Josh, and this really started, I think, a long time ago. Censorship, where they said in polite uh, polite company, don't talk about politics and religion, and I think for many many conservatives, they we did that, and we kind of lost the narrative on that because I I. And, can have, had come to realize that those that were saying that, that to not talk about politics or religion were actually down at the state house trying to affect uh, politics. And we lost the narrative for a little while, Josh. What's your thoughts on that? No, you're totally right. And I remember, I remember hearing that standard, that standard as well. In fact, uh, this is why for many, many years, I really, if you jump on my Twitter accounts or social media accounts, I hardly talked about politics. Um, I, I kept the gentleman's code, you know, as they call it, uh, not just in personal company, but also on social media. I mean, maybe, maybe it kept me out of trouble in some way. It's <laughs> <laughs> looking back now, you know, I have a, have a pretty pretty mild Twitter feed going back, you know, since I started it. Um, but yeah, no, it's true. What what happens when basically one side of the argument is is totally silent? Because you know the way normal discourse happens. They talk about dialectics, right? Socratic dialectics, so the interaction of opposites. If one side just totally self-censors itself, if one side totally goes quiet, then yeah, the other side's going to dominate the discussion, and that's exactly what happened in this country. You're spot on, Kim. I, I fully agree with you. And it, it took me a long time to realize this, and this was about a year ago. Um, I had been w- with a a group of girls, known them for many, many years. And uh, we were talking about kind of hot issues, and I addressed it. And then one of the girls reached out to me and said, Kim, I don't think that we should talk about politics when we get together. And at that point, I'm like, okay. And I'm thinking, oh, I, I want to honor our friendship. And, the, and you know what? I stopped, Josh, and I reached back out, and I said, you know what? You're asking me to censor my voice. And if that's the case... If we can't talk about these issues, then maybe we need to move on. And that was a big thing in my life, Josh, when I realized that because they disagreed with what I said, that they didn't want to hear it, I realized that I I really probably needed to move on, Josh. You know, I have a lot of people on my show ask me this question, too, is, you know, what, what, you know, how can they even talk to people? How can they reason with people at this point? I think everybody has friends or family members who they're having conflicts with right now because politics have become so pointed. And I, I think they're only becoming so pointed because of the lack of this discussion. I, th- I think we're kind of reaping what we've sown to some extent. 
You know, if, if people are never exposed to the other side of the argument, if people are never exposed to the the facts on the other side of the spectrum that, that are not being shown in most of the mainstream media, then when you start saying it, it comes off as it comes out of nowhere. They're like, oh, that's conspiracy theory. I've never heard this before. Um, when in reality, it's just the other side of the discussion, if not the whole picture of the discussion. And when they start hearing that, it starts breaking down all these narratives they've been fed, many of which are just not true. And and when it comes to the stage where it's gone on for years, it's like it's like you're it's like you're trying to chip away at a person's entire worldview. And for a lot of people, you know, hitting on that level of someone's like basic perception of reality at this point uh, is something that's going to be difficult, if not and probably extremely uncomfortable for them to start doing. And so, yeah, this this is where the debate is at, unfortunately. I'm encouraged, though, Josh, when you take a look at possibly 75, 80 million people voted for Donald Trump. And I really think that what they said, what, about half of the people that voted for Biden, if they'd known about the whole thing with Hunter Biden and the, the relationship between the Bidens and China, that they would not have voted for for Biden. So I I do feel that even though we may have people in our lives that just want to plug their ears and say, I don't want to hear it. And then we have legislators that say that, um, that they want to shut down voices. I think there's a big, big, broad swath of Americans that are saying, wait a minute. You agree? I fully agree. I'd say the government right now, at least on the left, is being dragged along by, along by the very, very far left. And I would argue that a lot of Democrats don't align with that. A lot, a lot of Democrats, I, th- I think, are more classical Democrats, even classical liberals who are technically more like libertarians in their viewpoints, uh, who don't identify with those extreme ideologies and actually get offended when people try to group them in with those extreme ideologies without actually looking at the technical details of policy and saying, oh, wait, wait a minute, looks like these guys are actually the ones influencing what my local politician is doing and saying. Um, but every time government oversteps its boundaries, every, every time they start doing things, like you mentioned, censoring free speech, even working together with big companies for censorship, I'd say there's a group of people who wake up and say, wait a second, you know, something's not right here. I was actually looking at some of the polls on uh, for example, even uh, Democrats who support or oppose socialism. And after the Biden uh, you know, administration kind of came into power, you saw, you saw a lot of people starting to turn more and more against this stuff. You can even look at, uh, for example, them kind of tearing each other apart right now. It's happening in New York, Governor Cuomo, a great example of it. Uh, you're going to start seeing a lot of politicians tearing each other apart, not from the left and the right, but from the far left and the more centrist Democrats. Uh, even, for example, politics like the trans movement versus the feminist movement, uh, you're going to start watching a lot of tension spark up. And, you know, the interesting thing is, is that a, lot, a lot of these policies typically work on, if you go to communism, socialism, work on the struggle of opposites. And what you've seen, ironically, is a pretty large disengagement from a lot of conservatives, especially after, I think, January 6th, uh, where a lot of conservatives kind of got disenfranchised or disheartened and they kind of just went quiet. Uh, that means pretty much the whole argument and the whole, you know, dialectic, when I get into that again, is between the far left and these more centrist Democrats in power. You're going to watch them tear each other apart, I think. Well, do you think that is why it seems like it's been warp speed? 
uh, of all these terrible, terrible policies and legislation <clears throat> that's coming forward out of here in Colorado, but also on the national level, like HR1. What's the chances of that being passed, Josh? And that's that big uh, voter dilution, uh, your dil- diluting your vote legislation, I'm going to call it. <laughs> yeah, well, anyone who reads into that, it's, it's, it's a pretty concerning, I would say. It, it basically institutionalizes from the federal level every single change that was made to our election systems across the country in 2020 that was deemed, say, controversial or of concern for most people. Uh, things like, you know, universal mail-in ballots and stuff like this. Uh, it, it pretty much pulls out every safeguard we have in our election system, uh, pretty much takes every change that was made by local governors bypassing the state legislatures, which in itself should have been illegal. And um, many people are arguing it was illegal. There's some arguments on that, you know, legal arguments. Uh, taking all that and just making it federal law, so this would be the way things are going forward. The reality is they probably won't get past the filibuster, uh, but we'll have to see. Uh, but yeah, as you mentioned too, this is this is again part of the bigger concern I think in the country right now going forward. That um, I, I'd say they're pushing things to very extreme levels, and you have a lot of people uh, feeling that they can't do anything about it. Um, actually, if I could say one thing on that, which people might find somewhat encouraging, I had a great interview with Trevor Loudon. He's uh, mm-hmm. I think one of the leading anti-communists in the country. Really incredible guy. He a really good point uh, during a recent interview I had with, had with him, is he explained these things as shock and awe tactics. Because whether it's the spending bill, whether it's H.R. 1, whether it's the other really extreme policies, what, what the Biden administration is doing with these executive orders, what the far left is doing with their different policies, they're doing things pretty much to the extreme degree, well, the most extreme degree they can possibly push them. And they're doing things like for example, even the gun regulations they're pushing out that go against, I'd say, uh, not only constitutional rights, but even things that a lot of centrist and moderate Democrats would think are you know, rights that should be protected. He described these as shock and awe tactics. And the, the, the real effect of shock and awe tactics, whether they can actually get passed or not, as we mentioned this may not be able to break the filibuster with HR1, whether they can, they can get passed or not, it has the effect of making people you know, basically say, wow, this is crazy, there's nothing I can do about it, and they just disengage and they go quiet. And, you know, th- this seems to be the case. If, if you talk about communist inversion, that's what you would call demoralization, where people give up, they give up hope, and they just say, I'm done, nothing I can do about it, country's lost, you know, take it. And essentially the far left is able to just dominate from that point forward. I think, I think that's the strategy with this person. But we're Americans, uh, and uh, actually Helen just mentioned to me, it's it's something called the Overton Window, where they're trying to move uh, kind of the public opinion narrative culture to to their um, to their movement there. We only have about a minute left, Josh. But what uh, we're Americans, and I, I don't think that's going to work. What, what do you think, Josh? And kind of give us some hope here. Uh, fully agreed. You know, what, what they'll always try to do is basically establish the new talking point, and they say nothing outside of this talking point is allowed speech. And they would only do that if they, I, I think they would only resort to censorship if they feared that actual public free speech, would, that their, their ideas would not be able to withstand the scrutiny of public speech. And the fact is, there are still voices like yourself, still voices like Epic Times out there, 
that are not going to go silent, that are not going to go quiet. And I, I would say that's something in the American culture in general, you know, you know, like it or not, America has a strong like bandit culture. You know, that we're we're you know outlaws and stuff like this. The country really has always aggrandized this kind of going against the grain, and it, it's I think somewhat a negative trait about Americans, but it's also it also has its positive side, which is that Americans are not the kind of people who are just going to you know bend the knee and give in to things like this. Well, Josh Phillip, you're absolutely right. We are out of time, but thank you so much. It's always great to have you on the show. Hey, real pleasure, Kim. Thank you. And Helen Jean Mitchell, thank you so much for your sponsorship of this important show. You're welcome. It's it's good to keep um, the airways open for this sort of discussion. So thank you. Our quote for today is from John Locke. He said, I have always thought the actions of men are the best interpreters of their thoughts. So my friends today, be grateful, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals and like Superman, Stand for truth, justice, and the American way. You are not alone. God bless you, and God bless America. And I-